Hello everyone, I'm Peter Lepson, author of the book Thank God for Football, about the church origins of 12 famous English football clubs who have played in the FA Premier League. The series is based on my book Thank God for Football, which is available from Amazon or directly from the publisher SPCK. Today's club is Swindon Town. Town have made another signing. The Reverend Simon Stevenette joined the club at the tail end of last week as their new chaplain. Those words in the Swindon Advertiser in 1998 signified that Swindon Town Football Club had, in a very real sense, returned home. Their new club chaplain had been inducted the previous month as Vicar of Christchurch, and it was a former Christchurch clergyman, the Reverend William Baker Pitt, who founded Swindon Town Football Club in 1879. Pitt became curate of Christchurch at the age of 23. It was a brave decision on his part to accept the position. He was probably fully aware that he was coming into a parish that had the reputation of being a very turbulent one. It may have alarmed him to read in an article in the Swindon Advertiser that, quote, The circumstances attending the leaving of curate after curate are too vividly remembered in the town to need recapitulation. He may also have heard that the Bishop of Gloucester and Bristol referred to Christchurch as, quote, the one black spot in his diocese. The reason for the unsettled state of affairs was the controversial vicar of Christchurch, Henry Bailey, an outspoken man who frequently crossed swords with powerful figures in the community. Despite the cauldron Pitt had entered, he quickly settled in and established a good working relationship with Bailey. He became very popular in the parish, especially among young people who looked upon him with great affection and respect. Pitt related easily to others, and one of his great gifts was the ability to bridge the divide between people who were not well disposed towards each other. In the Swindon of the time, there was plenty of opportunity for him to exercise this gift. When he arrived at Christchurch, there was deep division within Swindon. In 1801, the little market town had a population of just under 1,200, but when the renowned Victorian engineer Isambard Kingdom Brunel established the Great Western Railway Engineering Works in the locality, there was such an influx of workers that the housing and other amenities built for them next to the railway works had grown into a town bigger than the original old town up on the hill. The physical division between Old and New Town was reinforced by the fact that there were separate councils for each, and it was further mirrored by a mutual distrust between the residents of the separate communities. It was Pitt's aim to try and bridge the divide, and he saw football, a game he loved to play, as the vehicle to achieve this. In the autumn of 1879, he met with some youthful employees of the GWR Railway Works who lived in Newtown to propose the formation of a football club. The meeting took place at the King William Street School in Old Town, only a few minutes' walk from Christchurch. 
Significantly, Pitt, a leading figure in Old Town, had succeeded in getting the young men from New Town to cross the divide. A lively discussion took place in the school building, which still stands, and the outcome was an enthusiastic response to Pitt's proposal to form a club. It was agreed to call it Swindon Town Football Club. The first recorded match took place on the 29th of November 1879 against Rover FC at the latter's ground. It ended in a disappointing 4-0 defeat for Swindon, although Pitt, who played in the game, was singled out for praise in the local press for his performance. A year later, the club changed its name. Pitt explained why. We had decided to call our club the Swindon Town Football Club, but we found that that was rather a large mouthful to shout out, and we afterwards changed the name to the Spartan Club. The first match played under the new name was in December 1880 against Mr Price's eleven. the result being a 1-0 win for the Spartans with Pitt as captain. He continued to play for the club until 1882 when he left Swindon to take up an appointment as rector of All Saints Liddington, about six miles away. It was a wrench to leave the club he had founded, but he continued to feel affection for it long afterwards and he followed its progress closely. The club, in turn, maintained its affection for him and he will reappear in our story. Before the start of the 1883-84 season, it was decided to revert to the club's original name, Swindon Town Football Club. For several years, progress on the field was modest. It was not until the brief period from 1910 to 1912 when the club twice reached the semi-finals of the FA Cup and won the First Division Championship of the Southern League that it achieved the breakthrough to national recognition. These were the pre-First World War glory days and they were symbolically marked by the selection of the legendary Harold Fleming to play for England, the only man to represent England while a Swindon Town player. Without doubt, Fleming can be credited with putting the club on the map. He was a brilliant inside forward. To quote one former Swindon player, he had the most amazing ball control and body swerve I have ever seen. In fact, he was so good that opponents sometimes resorted to violent play to try and stop him. In one FA Cup semi-final, he was so badly injured he was unable to play for ten months. Such was his ability that he was selected to play for England on eleven occasions at a time when international matches were few and far between. He would no doubt have added to his tally had it not been for the outbreak of the First World War. Interestingly, only nine of his eleven appearances merited a cap because his two games against Hungary didn't count. At that time, continental European opposition wasn't considered good enough to justify the award of a cap. How things have changed. Fleming was known throughout the football world as much for his Christian faith as for his outstanding ability as a player. He refused to play on Good Friday and on Christmas Day and had there been Sunday football, he would almost certainly 
have refused to play on that day too. But his reputation as a Christian was attributed much more to his gentlemanly conduct on the pitch and to his scrupulous fair play. As one correspondent wrote to the local press following Fleming's death in August 1955, his fairness was proverbial. Another correspondent wrote, It can be said with all truth that he let his light shine before the public by his life and influence which radiated over every football ground he left an indelible impression thus he leaves the world a better place for passing through it also made a deep impression on billy silto fleming's roommate on the england tour of south africa in 1910 that this great footballer always knelt down humbly to pray before getting into bed Fleming's commitment to young people was another expression of his Christian faith. He would often return to the club's ground when his own training was over to help coach young players. He also devoted many hours working at the youth club at St Mark's Church where he worshipped. Young people loved and respected him and always referred to him affectionately as Our Harold. Fleming retired from playing at the age of 37 and eventually opened a sports shop in Swindon. But in his spare time, he continued to coach young people, not only football, but also cricket and hockey. Long after his death, his name is still remembered and honoured in Swindon. There is a bronze statue of him inside the main entrance of the county ground, the club's home, with the inscription, Harold Fleming, 1887-1955. To the inspiring memory of a great sportsman and gentleman who played for Swindon Town from 1907 to 1924 and was capped nine times for England. His name also lives on in Fleming Way, a major thoroughfare leading from the roundabout at the county ground. The Southern League Championship success achieved by Fleming and his teammates in 1911 was celebrated at a special event at the county ground in September that year. One of the guests of honour was William Baker Pitt, the club's founder. In his speech, he told the assembled crowd, There is no game I know of which makes such great demands upon judgment, upon courage and upon endurance, and any game which calls forth and stimulates those qualities I regard as a very good and useful game. I sometimes hear it stated that there is far too much football. I always say there is far too little. He then referred back to the early days when he founded the club. I cannot say that we ever achieved any great results. We always played for the love of the game and we always played a straight game. He drew a significant parallel between the ethos of the club then and as he saw it now. No one congratulates the team more than I do upon the success which it has achieved. But perhaps there is one thing I congratulate the club upon more than upon its success. And that is its possession of a personal influence, which I understand makes for sobriety, purity and the right observance of the Sunday. And I have no hesitation in saying that the success which has attended the team 
is very largely due to that influence. There can be little doubt that that influence to which he was referring was the Christian spirit at the club. And equally, there can be little doubt that the member of the side who in his and everyone else's mind exemplified this spirit the most was the great Harold Fleming. How does Pitt's own story end? After 54 years of faithful service at All Saints Lidington, he resigned as rector because of severe bronchial disorders. He and his wife Alice moved to Bournemouth in the hope that the sea air of the south coast might do him good, but his condition gradually worsened and on the 21st of November 1936 he died. His body was brought back to Lidington for burial in the All Saints churchyard. At his funeral service in the church, the Bishop of Malmesbury told the congregation that they had lost, quote, a real kind friend. Exactly 75 years to the day after his death, Swindon Town Football Club paid tribute at a special Thanksgiving service at All Saints to the man they too had considered their real kind friend. The service had been arranged to publicly mark the completed restoration of Pitt's grave by the club. Perhaps the last word should be given to Nicholas Watkins, the club's CEO who commissioned the restoration. When asked if football had strayed from the values so dear to pioneers like Pitt, he replied, I think, sadly, when you get all the media interest in football, and it's mainly centred on what players are earning and their activities off the field and sometimes on the field, one wonders whether football really is lacking a moral compass. I hope that revisiting and resurrecting the likes of a William Pitt and what he meant to this community will return that moral compass to football. I hope you enjoyed that story. Join us again next time to hear another one about the church origin of a famous English football club. Until then, it's goodbye from me, Peter Lepson, author of Thank God for Football.